Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Hello, you wonderful people at Life in New Zealand and also in Australia. It is a huge honour and privilege for me to speak to you today. I wish I was with you in person, but obviously because of the season, I'm unable to be there, but uh, just really feel blessed to be part of this service. So thank you very much, Paul and Marie, for the privilege and honour of uh, this opportunity. When Paul rang me a few days ago and invited me to speak to you this morning, he said that he's doing a series on foundations. And when he said that, it really resonated with me because I believe God in this season is calling us back to our foundations, back to matters that matter. So I don't know exactly how he or where he drew this idea from, but he told me that there were four parts to this series. God is God and God is good. God is eternal. God is holy and God is dependent. Of course, technically, he isn't dependent on us at all. He is self-existing. So theologically, he has chosen to partner with us. So in that sense, he is dependent on us to build the church that he himself is building. Anyway, if you look at the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 onwards, it says, our Father. Well, that's God is good. And then it says, hallowed be his name. That is, God is holy. And then who dwells in heaven. That is, God is eternal. And then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is God is dependent. And I don't know about you, but I pray that prayer every day of my life. So what we're really saying in this series is let's go back to the first two phrases of the Lord's Prayer. Well, as I understand it, Paul has already looked at God is good and they've given me the more difficult subject of God is holy. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Why don't you ring up Robert, ask him to do the difficult one. God is holy. What on earth can we say about that? Well, I'm going to do my best in the next few minutes to unpack that idea that God is holy and how you and I can live the holy life that he intended for us. And what exactly that means. This is going to be a very down-to-earth, practical message, but I have to talk about some of the theory as well. So bear with me. We're going to get very practical as this message draws on. But first, we need to pray. So let's pray that God will really speak to you. Maybe you're on your own. Maybe you're in a group. Maybe you're in lockdown. I don't know your circumstances at the moment. But wherever you are, however you're listening to this message, I am believing that where you are, God is going to speak to you in your situation. He's going to help you live the kind of life that God wants you to live. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for all these wonderful people at Life in New Zealand and in Australia. 
thank you that you love them, that you want the best for them, that you know their story, you know their challenges. And this message, I believe, you've got a phrase or a word or an idea that's gonna help everyone in whatever circumstances they find themselves. Just anoint and help and bless this message right now so that both me as a speaker and everyone as listeners will get the most out of this message. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, a number of years ago, in fact, in the 70s, I had a friend who was an alcoholic. He drank about a bottle of spirits every single day. And then one day, Jesus Christ appeared to him in his living room. He immediately fell to his knees, repented of his sin, and the encounter transformed him to the point that as soon as Jesus had finished the encounter, as it were, my friend picked up all his bottles of alcohol and poured them down the sink. He didn't need counselling. He didn't need a doctor. He was instantly set free from alcoholism. It's a remarkable miracle. But that's not the heart of the story. That night, even though he knew nothing about God, he was woken up three times in the night. He heard an audible voice. Now you need to understand, this man had no connection with Christianity, didn't know the Bible, didn't know the first thing about Jesus. He heard an audible voice saying, Leviticus, Leviticus, three times. He woke up, he didn't know what Leviticus was, so he went back to sleep again. The following morning, he felt compelled to pick up a Bible and found the word Leviticus in it. And he thought, well, maybe I should read this book. Now, I don't know if you've read Leviticus recently, but it is the one book I would never, ever recommend a brand new Christian to read. Why? Because it's filled with old laws that have nothing to do with us. It was to do with the people of Israel. For instance, it says don't eat pigs or don't eat camels or don't eat shellfish. It's got lots of rules. So you would never say to someone, read the book of Leviticus, but God knew what he needed. And he told me after he finished the book, God spoke to him and it changed his life forever. So we need to ask ourselves, why did God suggest Leviticus? What is Leviticus about? Well, I'm gonna read a couple of verses from Leviticus and you'll get an idea of what it's about. Because even though the rules don't apply, the principles do. Leviticus 11:44. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy as I am holy. Don't make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. It says it again in Leviticus 19 and verse one and Leviticus 20 and 26. Be holy because I am holy and I have set you apart. The thing is, God wanted to set the people of Israel apart from any other nation. He wanted them to live differently. Now you may think he's just being legalistic or uh, fierce, saying be holy because I am holy, but that's not the point at all. He was holy and he wanted 
to live with them. So he said, I want you to be holy so that I can be with you. Exodus 25 verse 8 makes that clear. It says, they then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Now you may think this has got nothing to do with you and I, but actually it's got everything. We may not need to follow the Levitical rules, but God still wants us to be holy. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. That's a New Testament concept. Be holy because I am holy. Why? For the same reason. Because he wants to live with us. He wants the best with, for us. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, sorry, 3, 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. God wants to be with you. So if you want a title to this message, put on the top of your page or on your phone, put be holy because I am holy. Now that mandate suggests two things. Firstly, what on earth is God's holiness? And secondly, how on earth are we prepared or expected to be holy like Him. Well, the first one is not the subject of this message. I, I could spend hours talking about the holiness of God and I wouldn't get to the uh, beginning of it. But suffice it to say, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 to 8, the prophet Isaiah has an encounter with God, like my friend, and he heard angels shouting, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heaven and earth are filled with his glory. And it was so extraordinary that he fell to his knees and thought he was gonna die. He said, I'm unclean. And God forgave him. And as a result of the forgiveness, he was able to come into the presence of God. So we learned two things there about the holiness of God. Firstly, the holiness of God is so glorious, it is beyond description. He lives in unapproachable light, as the Bible says. But at the same time, forgiveness enables us to approach Him. So I'm not going to unpack that scripture. I want to talk about your holiness because the second question that the mantra poses, be holy as I am holy, is about us. How are you and I going to be holy? How are you going to be holy in Auckland? How are you going to be holy in Melbourne? How are you going to be holy in your day-to-day -day lives? Well, that's the subject of this message. And here is another mystery, because I'm going to read you two verses that seemingly contradict one another. But if we don't get them, we'll never work this out. One, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 says this, by that will, in other words, by what Jesus has done, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ Jesus once and for all. So there it is. There in the New Testament, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, the Bible says you have been made holy. You are holy. God has forgiven you. You are able to approach God. You're able to come into His presence and pray. That's why we can pray. That's why we can live the life 
that he wants us to live. But verse two, three verses later, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it says, for by one sacrifice, he is made perfect or he's made holy forever those who are being made holy. Now, when you get those two verses that seem to contradict one another, it's not a contradiction, it is a paradox. Two seemingly unrecon uh, unreconcilable truths intention, just like a violin string, intention, but producing a beautiful sound. So on one end, you are holy, but on the other end, you are being made holy. So if we are going to live the kind of life that God wants us to live and be holy because He is holy, we've got to understand those two concepts. Firstly, you are made holy. Secondly, how can we be made holy? I am holy, but I'm on my way to being made holy. Just like the Bible says, I am healed, but I am being healed. Or I am righteous, but I am being made righteous. So this is the tension. So let's have a look at the first statement. The first statement is we are holy. And I'm going to look at all of this message from the book of Ephesians. Now, if you haven't read Ephesians recently, you may not know that it's divided into two parts, theory and practice. The first three or four chapters basically tells us about who we are in Jesus. It tells us about our identity. We are blessed. We are forgiven. We are the people that God wants us to be. Or in this case, we are holy. But then it goes on in the chapters four, five, and six to say, how can we live this out? How can we be made holy? So what we're going to do in this message is going to have a look at the first three chapters or the first chapter specifically, and then look at chapter four and work out how we can live this out. So to summarize what I've just said, look at this. Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, listen to this, to God's holy people, or it may say in your version, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. You may come from a, a Catholic background where special people are called saints, but here is Paul the apostle saying to every single person in the Ephesian church, you are all saints, you are all holy. So here am I uh, talking to everyone in life in New Zealand and Australia saying, you are saints. Saint Mary, Saint Marie, Saint Paul. Uh, you didn't know, did you, that your senior pastor was Saint Paul? But the fact is, we are all saints. We've even got Saint Luke there as well. So we're all saints, but look at what it says. Verse uh, five, verse eight. But you were once darkness, and now you are light. In other words, you've been made holy. Now live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in goodness, righteousness, truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. So having told you you're holy, it now goes on to say, but how do you live that? So let's have a look at those two big ideas. Firstly, you are holy. We're gonna have a look at three things that the first few verses in Ephesians 1 talks about. 
If you read through, and I recommend that you do after this message, why don't you read the book of Ephesians? You will find that it has these three phrases in it. The first one is this. We are chosen by the Father to be holy. This is your mantra. This is your mandate. This is your command. Verse 4 says in Ephesians 1, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy. To be holy. So can I just encourage you? You are chosen by God to be holy. This is what He wants for your life. But the second part of this passage is that we are redeemed by the Son and made holy. Just like Isaiah realized that God had chosen him to be holy, he was forgiven and made to be holy. Verse 7 of Ephesians 1 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So firstly, you've been chosen to be holy. Secondly, you've been redeemed in order to be holy. And then the third thing that it says in this passage is we are marked by the Spirit to make us holy. So let's, let's uh, see if we can unpack that or put that in a different way. It talks about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It says we are chosen by the Father, included in Jesus, and marked by the Holy Spirit. In each case, it says, for the praise of His glory. You need to understand that God has chosen you to be different. He's chosen you to be holy. You need to understand that He has forgiven you so that you can be different and then He's given you the Holy Spirit so that you can live differently from anyone else. You and I have been set apart, not because we deserve it, not because we're good enough, but because God has chosen us to be different, chosen us or redeemed us, forgiven us so that we could be holy and then given us the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, I was preaching on this subject of holiness to a small group of 10 people. And uh, I was trying to explain that God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us live holy lives. And He's also given us the Holy Scriptures to help us live holy lives. And I was trying to explain the difference. And I just randomly said, I, I hadn't got any of this in my notes. I just randomly said, for instance, the Bible says in Isaiah, in the Holy Scriptures, don't read horoscopes. So don't read them. And then I said, and the Bible says, uh, if you're going to get married, marry a Christian, marry a believer. It says that in the Scriptures. So don't go out with a non-Christian. And then I said, but the Bible's, this was, remember, back in the 80s, uh, it says nothing about discos. So how do you know whether you should go to a disco or not? So I just randomly used this idea of horoscopes, going out with a non-Christian and discos. I said, so how do you know? You ask the Holy Spirit. He will tell you whether you should watch this or not watch that, whether you should do this or not do that. So I just randomly said that. And as I said it, the lady next to me, sitting right next to me in this circle of 10, burst into floods of tears. 
She was uncontrollably weeping and repenting, just like Isaiah when he'd had an encounter with God, just like my friend on his living room floor, almost on her knees, weeping in repentance. I didn't know what had happened. So I said, what's going on? I had to stop the meeting. And she said, last night, I went to a horoscope disco with my non-Christian boyfriend. Now, why had I chosen those three things? Because God wanted the best for this woman, not to make her feel bad, but to make her holy so that he could relate to her, so that he could be with her, so that he could bless her, so that he could forgive her. That's why he tells us what we're doing wrong. So the first chapter of Ephesians is the theory. The first three chapters are the theory. We've been chosen by the Father to be holy, redeemed by the Son to be made holy, and then given the Holy Spirit so that we can live holy. Well, what does that actually look like in our lives? This is where we're going to get really practical. So once you've grasped the theory, we've been made holy. Now, from that theory, you can practice. See, If you think you are bad, you will live bad. But if you know you are holy, you are able to live holy. God never asks you to do something that he's not going to equip you to do. So you start with your identity. We are forgiven. We are blessed. We are holy. Now that I know I'm holy, I'm a saint, I'm going to live like a saint. A friend of mine used to say, dogs bark, pigs grunt, ducks quack, saints shout. In other words, if you know you're a saint, it will affect how you express yourself. So let's have a look at uh, the second part of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter four, four, verse 22, and I'm going to just read you uh, a couple of verses. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I'm not going to read the whole uh, passage, but it basically says you've got to put something off and put something on. One of the illustrations it uses, it says, if you're a thief, you've got to stop thieving and start giving. It's not good enough just to put off thieving. You've got to put on giving. And you can't just put on giving. You have to put off thieving. If you just put on giving and don't put off thieving, you become a generous thief. And that's not what God wants. He says, no, get rid of the negative and then put on the positive. Put off your old way of doing things and put on the new way of doing things. So the whole passage is about uh, what we need to do. We've got to put off and put on. And it talks about thinking, speaking, and acting. All the way through the Scriptures, it talks about thinking, speaking, and acting. So I'm going to just use that idea uh, to talk about what holiness looks like in our life. I don't know if you were brought up as I was in a traditional church, but when I went to church every Sunday, I would pray the confession. And it would say this, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow man in thought, in word, 
and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. It's a confession, a repentance. But notice what it says. We've sinned in thought, word, and deed. So you've got to put off bad thinking, put on good thinking, put on, put off bad speaking, put on good speaking, put off bad actions, put on good actions. So that's what this looks like. All right, what does it look like practically? Number one, think positively. Think positively. We've got to put off old thinking. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at positive thinking. In fact, I did a Strength Finders test recently, and uh, it's got about 25, 30 different qualities, and I have different qualities, which apparently I'm good at, but at the bottom of the list, the last two on this long list were positivity and vision. When I told our senior pastor here at Hillsong Church that my two weaknesses are vision and positivity, he just sort of held his hands because that's what you want in a leader. You need us to be positive and leading. But the fact is, positivity is not my strength. It's my weakness. But I've got to put off this negative thinking and put on positive thinking. Put on this new mind. Look at what it says. I've just read it. Put off your old self and be made new in the attitude of your mind. You are holy. You're a saint. So behave like one. Think like one. Think differently. It may be a weakness like it is for me, but do what Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is of good report, think on these things. So my first instruction is think differently. Think positively. Don't think like the world thinks. Think positively. We've lived in a horrendous year and there's so much bad news out there. It's very easy to get negative, but I will not be negative. I'm full of hope, full of opportunity. Why? Because I'm a saint, because I'm holy. I'm going to live differently. So think positively. Number two, speak truthfully. It says we must put off rotten talk. Verses 22, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Put off rotten talk, put off swearing, put off blasphemy, put off negativity, put off criticism. I know that social media is filled with negativity, but this is not for saints. This is not a time to criticize the government or criticize other people or attack organizations. This is the time to pray. If you're a saint, You've got to think positively and speak, speak truthfully. Speak the truth in love, it says in Ephesians. Can I just say that when I became a Christian, before I became a Christian, I had filthy language, just like it describes. I, I was a seven stone weakling, so I uh, couldn't beat anyone up at school when they bullied me, so I, I bought a dictionary instead. And I learned all the filthy words that I could so I could attack them with my words. So my mother and others were, were frustrated because I had filthy language. But as soon as I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he ripped the bad speech out of me. And then I chose, because I was now different, chose 
to speak differently. So speak truthfully. And the third thing is act graciously. Chapter 4, verses 30 to 32 says that we've got to act differently. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed with the, for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. Why? It says, because you're a saint, be kind, be compassionate. It's a tragedy in this world to see so much domestic violence, so much uh, anger, so much rage, so much bitterness, so much vile talk on the social media and from the media. And the Bible says in Ephesians, you're a saint, so behave like a saint. You are holy, so be holy. What does that look like? Think positively, speak truthfully, act graciously. My Leviticus loving friend was transformed. I am believing that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you too will be transformed and he's gonna make you different. And then he wants you to live different, not because he's legalistic, as I said, not because he's fierce, but because he wants to live with you. Remember Leviticus 20, 26, you are holy to me because I, it says you are to be holy because I, the Lord, am holy and I've set you apart. God has set you apart, life in Auckland, in Melbourne, and all the other places you meet. God has set you apart so that you can live different, be different, act different, speak different, think different, so that people can aspire to your life and your lifestyle. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Understand who you are and then live like it. What does Romans 12, 2 says? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I know, I know the world is saying all manner of things. And every time you turn on the news, you hear bad reports and bad news. But I want to encourage you that when God is calling us to go back to our foundations, He's calling us to understand that God is holy, and therefore, we need to be holy. Let's get back to matters that matter. Let's get back to basics and be saints and live saintly so that our world can be changed. I hope that makes sense. I'm going to pray for you as individuals because I'm really believing that wherever you are, maybe you're on your own in your room. If you want to have an encounter with Jesus Christ as my friend did in his living room, I'm believing that the same transformation will happen to you in your setting. What you need to do is this. You need to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to make himself real to you. And when he, he may not actually come into your living room and he may not actually speak to you in an audible voice as he did with my friend, but he, he is with you and he is speaking to you if, if for no other way, if in no other way than through me. So all you've got to do is to pray a prayer and mean it and believe it and Jesus will make himself real. Jesus will come into your life. So wherever you are, why don't you just pray this prayer with me? Oh Lord Jesus Christ, today I realize I need you in my life. Please come into my life. As the preacher said, change me. 
do what I cannot do. Forgive me of everything I have ever done wrong so that I can approach you with confidence. Make me right, make me holy, change me forever. From now on, with your help, I will follow you. You are now my King, my God, my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, give yourself a clap. That was the best prayer that you could possibly pray. And look, just to help us, help life, help you, what I want you to do is just to click on the prompt in the chat and even in, put in the chat, I prayed that prayer, but click on the prompt and we'll do everything in our power as a church to talk to you, to help you with the next step. Can I just encourage you, church? Read the book of Ephesians and say with the saints in Ephesus, I'm a saint and I'm gonna live like a saint. I hope that's helped. Let's get back to matters that matter. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.